Welcome to the Recovery Lab podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. Recovery Lab hopes to destigmatize addiction and normalize recovery. Our platform provides an avenue to share the many stories of those that have recovered from addiction, providing for the listener the most basic antidote to addiction. Hope. All right, everybody, we're back. This is episode number 58. 58. Recovery Lab podcast series. I'm Drew Hassan. I'm Daniel Anderson. We are the Recovery Lab. We are joined today by, are y'all all the members or just some of the members of the board? Some of the members. Some of the members of the Recovery Lab pod. Yeah, let's be sure to get that mic up there. There we go. Yeah, lift it a little bit, a little closer. Okay. There you go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. All right, y'all want to introduce yourselves? I'm Denise Marsters. I am the CEO and the founder of the McCoy House Extended Care for Women in Jackson, Mississippi. All right. Our listeners will remember Denise from episode number six. That's right. That's right. She helped get things kicked off. She did. She did. I'm Trey Lee. I'm the president of the McCoy House Board. Trey. They have a mic, too. I'm Jennifer Boone. I'm one of the members of the McCoy House Board. And I'm Finney Moore, and I am actually the vice president of the McCoy House Board. All right. We got the bosses here. Beautiful. Sure beautiful. Well, look, so first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to do this. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, y'all are as awesome as the institution you represent. So really, I appreciate it. This is now your second time to be on the Recovery Lab. You're a rock star, really. Absolutely. And your thank- support in the very beginning was really meaningful to me. I thought, okay, if I can get Denise to, you know, it was a, a sense of endorsement. Yeah, really. yeah. And I have, I've known Denise since 2005. Probably. When you were out at COPAC. Yeah. She was one of the first people that, that, I, uh, that I came in contact with when I first got sober. And um, she was instrumental in um, me learning how to be okay with who I was. Beginning that conversation the interpersonal conversation uh, to, to become at peace with my past. And um, I owe a tremendous amount to you um, for that. So let's um, let's not waste any time. Yeah, so let's hop right to it. If you would tell us a little bit about the background story of the McCoy house. How did it get started? How did, what, what happened in order to what, Give us a little bit of a, a, a an insight into how it began, if you would. Okay. Um, well, as you said, and Danny, just what you just said just brought tears to my eyes. Because if I can give a little bit of hope to somebody who doesn't have hope, that's my job. I mean, that's I'm I'm here to give away what I was so freely given. Right. And, and if I can help anybody with that, so I work, was working at Copac as a therapist, and. Um, there was a lot of in and out people, in and out of treatment, in and out of sober living, back in, relapsing. And, you know, I, I've always wanted to find a little niche where I could help people. And I didn't know what that niche was. And finally, I decided that I was going to leave COPAC. And um, I went to work at a bridge to recovery. And I saw your beautiful podcast that you did with Costas and Bernard and the rest of them. It was just John and uh, Laura Merle, I think, were on that Mm -hmm. podcast. And I worked there from 2006 to 2019. 
and that's an outpatient program. So some of the some of the people that were coming there were living at home, and they were going back to situations that were not conducive to recovery. Right. They were going back to maybe husbands who were still using. The the younger ones were going back maybe to a family system that was broken, uh, a family system that was very judgmental. And they were not healing the way I thought they... They weren't in a situation to heal that I thought was conducive for the ongoing recovery. You know, they were they would come into us to group, and all they would talk about was the husband drinking or the partner drinking or the parents saying, why can't you get your act together and why can't you? Right. You know, just a lack of understanding. So when the when when I realized that maybe there was something I could do, I prayed about it. I'm a big I'm 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 big into faith, and I just said, God, just leave me away. You know, tell me something. So I found this house. I knew the owners, and um, I thought, my, this would be a, a good opportunity just to look into it. I really wasn't very serious about it. I mean, I thought, okay, there's something to do. I hate to be bored, and if I don't have something exciting going on in my life, I'm going to create it. <laughs> most, of, most of you all know that from being around me. You know, I've got to be doing something all right. of the time. And uh, so this house was vacant at the time after Katrina. And um, so I called the owners. and But I was dating a guy at the time named Neil McCoy. Right. My husband had passed away 20 years before that. And um, so I was dating Neil McCoy, and he had been diagnosed with cancer, with leukemia. And just in order to get him out of the house, I said, Neil, come on, we're going for a ride. So we drove up to, I got the keys, and we drove up there, and he was also in recovery. And we walked into that house, and it was bat-infested, rat-infested, mold-infested at the time. Nobody had lived there. Well, actually, there was somebody living there who wasn't taking care of it, right. who was still drinking. It was a man who was still drinking. Um, and we walked in, and Neil saw the floors, and he said, if you touch them floors, I'll kill you. <sighs> I guess that's a southern man's way of saying something, saying I like it. You know, <laughs> he couldn't say, this is fabulous. <laughs> and um, so we left, we walked around the house, and it was, the walls are really thick. It's an old, old house. It was built in the 1950s. And I grew up in an old house. I mean, my family still owned the house I was born in, that I was born into. And I just love old houses because they have such a history. They have such a... I don't know. They could tell stories. Absolutely. Well, Ireland old isn't exactly. I mean, that that might be a little older than what we've. Oh, had well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, old is relative. Sure. <laughs> um, so anyway, when we were leaving out there, when we were leaving the house, Neil turned around to me and he said, "This will give me a reason to live." Now this brings tears to my eyes, because that was the that was when I thought this could be serious. You know, when he said, "This will give me a reason to live." I thought, what have I done? <laughs> you know, I've I, like I'll jump into things and then I'll think, oops. <laughs> um, so we left there and um, we went back to to his house and um, he said, you know, he he asked me if he, he could be a silent partner and I didn't know what a silent partner was at the time. And if anybody knew Neil McCoy, you knew he couldn't be silent for two minutes. <laughs> so I thought, no, we'll talk about this later. So. That was Thanksgiving 2007, and we, we never talked about it after that. Didn't talk to the owners or anything about it. We just went to see it. So in February of 2008, Neil, I was out at Neil's house, and he, um, 
he was supposed to go in the next day, Monday morning, to have dialysis. Things were really, really, they had gone downhill for him. He was just skin and bone, and, right. you know, he was on his last legs. And he fell that night. He fell Sunday night, and in, in he was getting up to go to the bathroom, and I called the ambulance. And the ambulance came out to the house, and they brought him to, uh, to Baptist Hospital. And I stayed in the hospital with him. That was Sunday night, Monday morning. Stayed in the hospital until Thursday with him. And on Thursday night, he reached out. I, was la- I had, had made my little bed beside his, his bed. And he reached out, and he caught my hand. And he said, I think you need to go ahead with the house. And I thought, what's he talking about? He said, you know the house, the sober house that we talked about? And I said, okay. I said, if I do, I'll, I'll call it the McCoy house. And he just squeezed my hand and closed his eyes, and a tear just ran down his eyes. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, okay, another whoops. Um, he went home Friday to die. They gave him the opportunity, do you want to stay in the hospital or do you want to go home? So Friday night... Um, Friday, we took him home. Saturday and Sunday, he died around noon. Well, late afternoon um, on that Sunday. And after he died, I thought, I've made a promise to a dying man. I cannot. A minute now. I cannot not. Yeah, big oops. I cannot not keep that. But I didn't have a clue what to do. Um, And I just, I called the owners and I went up to the house and I sat there. And it was like as if, you know, God just said, I got this, you know, I right. got this. Um, when Neil said this, uh, you know, asylum partner, a lot of people think that he, he left money for the house. He didn't. Um, but I knew I had to do something. So I took out every dime I had. My brother came over from, he lived in New York at the time. My family sent him down. And he called my parents. I heard this afterwards. And he said, I think she's drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody in their right mind would do what she's doing right now. That house needs to be knocked down. He said, it's going to be a money pit. And, you know, so this is, that was 2008. That was February 2008. I closed on the house the week after he died. And August of 2008 was our first resident. And it's just grown. You know, I didn't have a clue what I was doing at the time. I just kept praying that God would lead the way. And then we get a group of people like this, you know, aboard. And these are the people that have really, you have amazing people in an organization that will make amazing things happen. And without, you know, the board and without the support and and these great people that have come to help us, it wouldn't be possible. I mean, I was just the one who took the risk. Um, a lot of people probably wouldn't have done that, but I'm a risk taker. And I, I just knew that I was led to do this. And I wanted women to have the opportunity that I didn't have to heal. And you guys know we see so much trauma these days right. that these people cannot go home and expect to, to heal in a traumatic environment or in an abusive environment or an environment where, you know, they go into treatment. And when they go into treatment, the wounds are opened. Right. And then we let them home without healing. 
It just didn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense at all. Right. No. Those, those drugs and alcohol that were the solution for so long that we've now been removed from for a short time, those are going to come back into the picture as something that is really, really helpful to be able to help us get through this really, really difficult stuff that we're dealing with right now at home. It's unbelievably, unbelievably important that someone that has, you know, a, a difficult situation at home have that time to to heal. And it sounds like McCoy House and what I know from McCoy House is you guys offer that solution. You guys offer a safe place to be able to um, come to terms with your past and, and what that looks like and be able to heal from that so that when you go back to the real world, you're better equipped to be able to not see drugs and alcohol as a solution anymore, um, but rather see drugs and alcohol as something that will cause severe harm to us if we if we dive into that. So you guys help other people to be able to uh, build that tool chest, so to speak, of of um, things that we can tap into and use when when the the, the crap hits the fan. And um, so what what you're doing is beyond incredible and it sounds like you just you just trusted god mm -hmm. in this and and you know i think of the of the song a bridge over troubled waters yeah we're the bridge mm -hmm. you know between treatment and and that that i call it emotional surgery absolutely and they're in treatment and then we're the bridge that helps them heal when they step off that bridge and they they get jobs and they get married i was just talking to you guys before the thing i got a text message this morning from a lady who was with us 10, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. I hope she's listening to this. And uh, she said, our girl got married either today or yesterday. I, I, I don't know which, I think she said yesterday. And she said she, she was a girl that was with her at the McCoy house. They were best friends wow. and they've kind of kept in contact. And she said, and Jax is right with them. And Jax was the dog that roamed up into our property <laughs> as a puppy. And they made me keep the dog. And she took the dog with her. And th that dog is still with her, and she called wow. him Jackson. So that's, that's awesome. You know, it's got to make you feel good. Oh, it, it just, I thought, this is a good day to hear this story. This is why we do this. Absolutely. This is a good day to hear this story. Well, look, I would implore our listeners to go back and listen to Denise's first episode, where she kind of has a more full-throated description of how the McCoy House came to exist. Uh, there's lots of cool anecdotes about uh, helpful nuns and, um, you know, the occasional occasionally making a nun irritated <laughs> the the great mattress debacle of, of the mccoy house um l let's talk a little bit more about the the physical facilities like we daniel and i were both you know blown away by how awesome the place is describe for everybody some of the things y'all offer what 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 you hope to achieve by having these not everyday amenities all right, Trey, knock yeah, it out, buddy. You just, you just covered it, the not everyday amenities. <laughs> that is, I remember one of our first board retreats that we had. Um, remember Cassie Rushing was doing it, and then she said, what is the mission statement? And we all had to talk around. We're like, Denise wants to do this. We know why. It's because the relapse rate is so high on people. It's like 85% of people that come out of treatment. But when they come in through some kind of, put some time in that bridge that Denise was talking about, and cut that in half. Can you? Okay. There we go. There we go. All right. Sorry. And, um, but what we offer is not just a room and a bed. We want to offer a lot more. And 
Denise is talking about it's people inspired, but it's God inspired. It's blessings from God. All these things like the, the nun coming in and giving money to buy a second property, you know, a second house on the property. Now it's like an estate, right? And so we need to do some things with that. We've got a walking path now. We've got a labyrinth. We've got the ropes course. We offer, we have the sweat lodge. We have, yeah, yeah, buddy. <laughs> right? Right? What's up, Keone? <laughs> right? So have you done that? I have. Yeah, okay. Have you done it, it out there? At, at, I at did. Right. I did. Yeah, yeah, Denise asked me to come and do it, and it was insane, probably the most incredible experience I've ever had in my spiritual life. spiritual thing, yeah, definitely. So we have that, and we just want to offer. So the mission statement came that we offer something more than just a bed and a place to stay away from going back to that house where all the trauma occurred and offer something different. Um, arts and crafts, we have art art classes every week, and then we've got this thrift store. And uh, we want to give some on-the-job training to people who need training and things to do, like Denise was saying, well, we can we can give them some things to do at that store. And that's well, idle time is not good for anybody. Right. No, that's a whole other story. You know, this, the store is a story of itself. Right, and that's one thing I want to focus on real quick is um, a lot of alcoholics and addicts are very, very creative people. They're very, very intelligent people, and it's important to have an outlet and uh, some way to express that, especially in early recovery. And that's one of the things that the McCoy House really really shines with there's not only is there a piano in there there's a guitar in there there's a whole crafts room it used to be the garage right and they converted it into a whole arts and crafts it's three times the size of this studio and it's 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 only for their clients to be able to express that creative need that they have deep inside of them and that's something that a lot of places just don't offer um because that maybe they don't recognize maybe profits are more you know on, on top of the list in, instead of actually what the needs of their clients are. And Denise and, and her team were able to uh, focus on not profits, but focus on what is necessary for our clients to be successful in their journey. And arts and crafts and a creative space, they nail that. They absolutely nailed it. Go on. I'm sorry. Equine therapy. Equine. Yoga yep. once a week. Equine therapy is what, once a month now? Yeah. So look, it's hard to be in a bad mood when you stretch your hamstrings because nobody's more grateful to have that over with than it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. I have my hamstrings are tight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So just so everybody knows, the McCoy House is a sober living system that uh, provides services for women. What is the general duration of the stay? It's 90 days minimum. We've had several women who have stayed up to a year, a year and a half with us. Wow. Um, it depends on, you know, what the needs are. If they're in an IOP program, an intensive outpatient program, we go with the recommendations that are made from that program. We've had several women who have come back to us who have left, had a couple of years sober, slipped off, and came back to us. We have two right now that used to be with us in the past that are there right now. And, and that's, that, that is heartwarming for me to know that when they make a mistake or they, they relapse for, for some reason, one, her father died, the other one, she got a divorce, and, you know, she just didn't have the coping skills at the time. And for them to reach out and say, hey, I need to come back, 
it says a lot about how they, what they got when they were there. Right. And how safe they felt. And Keenan Wald really opened my eyes. Do y'all know Keenan from Columbus? He's so cool. He's so awesome. He runs the Pines and Katy Hill mm-hmm. in Columbus, or he did when I was there. And he really opened my eyes to how, you know, we need to get away from this binary thinking of, you know, relapse is complete failure. And he said, you know, I, I think of failure as the person relapsed and they didn't come back. And that was during a conversation on the larger topic of uh, Suboxone and MATUs, which kind of departs from what we've got going on here this morning. But yeah, I mean, providing a place where they know they can come back and be welcomed to renew some of the good habits and practices they had. I mean, that it's, well, it's it, a vital importance. Right. It speaks to um, what I would consider success. Right. Uh, success is, like you just said, someone uh, having a good experience, life happening, maybe they fall off, and then they feel love and compassion from you and feel as though the McCoy house is a safe place to return to. So absolutely. I mean, for me personally, relapse was part of my story. Um, it, a lot of relapse was part of my story. Constant hitting, constantly hitting my head against the wall time after time after time. And people like you, Denise, were always there when I would crawl back into the, to the world of recovery um, bloody and and beaten down, and people like you had were there standing with your arms open, saying, "Hey, welcome back. I'm glad you made it back." Yeah. And that's 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 an incredible thing. So to hear that, you know, your clients are, you know, you have two clients right now as we speak that are there that used to, used to be there and are now back with you as a result of the the uh, environment that you've created, which is safe, healthy. Uh, and, and positive, and and people people respond to that, and they want to come back. Well, and you know, just to talk to that, I I understand that because I was in treatment four times, right? And I was in and out of a twelve step program for seven years, and every time it got worse, right. obviously, because you know they tell us, but I didn't understand that. I thought I could do it on my own, and sober living was recommended to me. If I make it until October, no, until January, I'd have 30 years sobriety. So back then, sober living was was recommended, but it was in Minnesota. Right. And my husband didn't want me going to Minnesota. Mighty cold up there. So I came back, I came back to a man who was still drinking. And that was very difficult. But I just, I kept on, all I did was not drink. Right. And for some reason... You know, people in AA, they reached out to me, just like you said I did to you. People reached out to me, and they helped me. They believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Right. And if we can give that hope to people, you know, to be a compassionate witness to their pain and to their story, then that's all, I'm ca- that's all I feel like I'm called to do. Isn't that well said, a compassionate witness to their pain? Right. I mean, because we, we really do want to feel some sense of somebody appreciates why I feel the way I do without co-signing my shenanigans at the same time. Well said. Yeah, absolutely. And it's difficult, you know, it's like when we're out there in active addiction, we're difficult to love, you know, and I, I can only speak for myself. I was 
very difficult to love. I was very difficult to be that. around. <laughs> um, and, and that's something that's so beautiful about people that are in and around recovery is they were also, and they did the work necessary in order to, to, to move on from that. And now they can share that with other people. Well, so, nothing is more off-putting than the pure selfishness of an alcoholic or a drug addict in their active addiction. Right. But everything is necessary that's necessary in order for us to reach to that point, reach that point where the alternative is, is never going to be a solution. And it's important for us to learn how to deal with life on life's terms. Um, and having a, a safe space is a, you have a, a real leg up uh, on, on those that perhaps don't have that luxury. I won't even say luxury, but have that opportunity. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So let's, uh, let's keep moving. Well, I wanted to ask y'all, uh, so this is Jennifer and Finney. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. Thank Tell you. us about y'all's involvement at the McCoy house. How did you get involved? Uh, how has, uh, it, your involvement been meaningful? What do you enjoy about it? What are ways that people could maybe get involved to help? I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but you can talk about whatever you want questions. to talk about. Um, so I got to know some girls that were, or ladies at the McCoy house at some open AA meetings. And then I would go by the thrift store just to drop off donations or shop and met some ladies just years and years ago, just throughout the years, I kind of got to know people and got more involved. And one day I said, y'all just have nothing on social media to tell about anything. So a year later, they said, why don't you do it, Vinny? So I started just kind of doing their social media. You're and in got it to, now. Yeah, and, and volunteering at the thrift store. And so I just got to know the girls in the house, Denise and Elizabeth, and um, just kind of was in Marion, just started hanging out up there and working and um, doing the social media. And so got to just be more involved and, I don't know, just love it. And went to the McCoy house a few times and, have done some things over there, but enjoyed getting to know the girls that are going through the sober living and watching them work at the store because I'm a lot of times they're on their very first day. So tell us, tell everybody a little bit about the store. Okay. Yes, yeah, funny you should mention that. Tell us if you will. It is awesome. It is so much fun if you like thrifting, but it's really a, I say a high end thrift store. We have great things, great donors. We're super organized. We have a, a lady that kind of like fluffs it up. So we're we're just like not your regular thrift store. Plus, right. we're real nice and friendly, and um, <laughs> we have tons of bargains and sales. So we make a lot of people real happy. Um, and we're open on Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 4. And we love volunteers. Anybody can get in touch with us because we have lots of opportunities for people to volunteer at the store. Um, and so... Let us not forget that our very first recovery lab table that we used for a few months uh, before we got this space from the McCoy house. came from the McCoy house. And I can say um, with certainty that that whole store, the location when we were in there, um, it's it's it resembles the environment that you feel or the, the, the feelings that you get when you're in the McCoy house. It's safe. It's comfortable. Um, it's it's clean. It's it's not your typical thrift store. It's definitely worth checking out. And it's right over there on State Street. Do you have the address? Conveniently located. Yeah, fifty four eighty two North State Street, across from the railroad tracks. There you go. Um, it's, we've grown out of our 
spot. Just though. up from the old Cherokee for anybody that yep. uh, down on the same side the of the street as the old Cherokee. Yes. So we're we're tight in there though. We've got a lot of we're growing. So we, we're looking for a bigger space. There's no shortage of stuff in there. There's no shortage, and we have so much, and it's all but really good you're, stuff. But you're welcome to bring more stuff. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and, and I would like us all to just direct our attention real quickly to all these comments that we're getting from Teresa, Daniel Pfeiffer, what's up, Daniel, uh, Susie, <laughs> Sally, Brad Garraway. We have a lot of fans. Yes, you do, you do, you do. Thank you all for listening. All right, let's move on. Well, my introduction to the McCoy House was actually through a retreat, and I think it's important to mention that as wonderful of a place as it is for women who are new in sobriety, it's also such a safe haven and a place of nourishment to the recovery community, people who have been sober and can go there and go to a retreat and just um, just be fed. It's a haven and it's a safe place. Um, I know that when I drive through the gates, I just feel like I'm leaving the world behind and just kind of feel my blood pressure drop. Um, so, you know, it's important to mention that it's um, just as important to people who have been sober for a while as it is to the women who are new in recovery. Absolutely. Amen. I feel I love the it. same way. I love it. I love it. Uh, I've been a couple times. I uh, went to the uh, Christmas party last year. That's right. That's right. And then Denise gave Daniel and me a tour. Uh, so it was, it really is. It's it's a sanctuary. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Man, Facebook is lighting up. Blowing up. Blowing up. Well, look, tell us, uh, okay, what are some things that you would like for people to know that we've not asked I can say one thing is our annual fundraiser. Is this fundraiser? Is that what do we have here? It's called Rock for Recovery, and it's on this Thursday night in Jackson at Dueling Hall, and it is very fun. We have a band that's called the Looking Bach, and they're like Willie Nelson cover, I guess is what you call them. They're super fun, and um, we have a great silent auction and. We've got great food. Logan Farms is catering it this year, and it's a non-alcoholic event from six to nine. And um, and that's this Thursday. This Thursday, and I'm sure you can post a link how to get tickets of and how to go to the silent auction is already live, so you can bid on things up until this coming Thursday. Do you know night. what some of those things are? Ooh, we got lots of good things. Great art. I mean, I can't even just describe all the art. And we've got vacations. Spa treatments, jewelry, like almost every restaurant in Jackson practically has given us nice gift cards. Anybody we ask would say yes, because they're all either know about us, have heard about us, or want to help people in recovery. That's our main thing is supporting the recovery community in Jackson. And it's a huge recovery community event, I would say. Probably one of the biggest for the year, I would think. Oh, it's it's a pretty, it's a it's just, big doing. 100%, yeah. 100%. What is the, this just hit me, I know it's a little bit departing from that. What is the general demographic of the people that, that come to the McCoy house age-wise? We know what sex they are. Well, we have a 70-year-old right now, 70, 70, and the youngest we have is 19. I love so that. So it's in between, and it's just. Is there a minimum anybody, age? Would it yeah, be 18? We, we, yeah, only adults. Okay. Only adults. Um, but it's, that's a lot of fun for, for, for to have that many, 
I shouldn't say to have that many, but to have that mix, that age mix, because, you know, I go in there and I'm, I'm not, now I'm not the oldest one there. Thank God. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm a therapist by profession. And when I go to work in, at a treatment center, I do some, some contract work. Like, I'm the old lady. I'm the grandmother type. And, you know, some of the young ones need that. Right. They need that kind of nurturing or they need somebody to sit and listen to them as well as the, the, the older person that's there. She can share, you know, you don't want to be doing this at my age. You know, I tell them that myself, you don't need to be doing this. So these are the mistakes I've made. Maybe you can learn from my mistakes. I never learned from anybody's mistakes. I mean, I just learned from my own, (laughs) but you know, it's, and Finney, you were talking about the, about the, about the store. We don't just help the recovering community. You have instigated a, I don't know, a line of helping people in the community, churches, shower power. Uh, so many other organizations benefit from what the store has done. And I'm not very involved in the store at all. So all of the credit for the store you know, goes to those people who work at the store. I just pop in and I buy stuff. I buy stuff for my daughter, and, you know, I was there yesterday, and my purpose for going in is to see what's being donated so I can buy. So, but but Finney and her team, amazing work. Elizabeth and Jane and the rest of the people who work there, it's, it's just incredible. Well, one thing I was going to add is Denise was super smart when she invented the thrift store. It's called the Real McCoy Thrift Store, and it just gives the girls in the house a meaning, like Trey was saying, something to do. You don't want to be idle. Purpose. And purpose. And a lot of them are just, you know, kind of at a low point. And so right. it gives them, they, and we're very encouraging. You can do, you can't mess up at a thrift store. You cannot mess up. And so if you break something, we don't care, you know, or whatever. And you with the men's shirts and the lady shirts, we don't care. You know, so it's just like, and every day they get better when they're there working, whatever job we give them. And then they're just amazing. I mean, we, we hate when they leave because they've helped us so much. 100%. And, and after a month, we can pay them. We can employ them so that they're, they're, they're feeling that they're making a difference and right. they're getting paid for doing something. Right. And if they like it, we'll keep them on. We have two or three right now that are um, ex-residents who are employed and they're, they're working at our store. Where, what geographic area do the majority of the ladies come from? Are they from Mississippi? Are they from everywhere? Everywhere. Um, a lot of people will come from out of state because we know if you go back to your same old haunts, you're going to be hooking up with the same old people. Well, people I've said this a thousand people, times. places and things. So a lot of our women, we do have some locals, but a lot of our women are from out of state. And they stay in Jackson. Yeah. A lot of them stay in Jackson. That's a, that's a good sign that. I mean, it's the, the, the recovery community here is pretty insane. One thing I want to jump into real quick is for me, when I was first thinking about or even throwing around the idea of getting help and, and going to a, a treatment facility, fear was a massive issue with me. I, I didn't, I knew that there at the end, I knew that I, I, I needed to do something different, but I was fearful of what that transition period is going to look like. So what I'd like to do is spend just a few minutes walking through and being 
very direct with someone who's listening right now that's saying, gosh, I really need to get help, but I'm terrified. I don't know what it's going to look like. How do I, what do I do? How do I call, what do, what do I tell my family? So walk through in extreme detail from the process of making that decision that, okay, I want to do something different. What does it look like? You make that decision and then you reach out to you guys, you, you, uh, let your family know, uh, and then all the way through to um, they are in the car arriving at the McCoy house. Try to help that that one person that may be listening right now. Make it easy for them. That's terrified. Make it easy for them and let them know exactly what to expect when they are in that period where they are about to get they're they're about to to relinquish power and and get some help and and trust somebody other than themselves for the first time maybe in their whole entire life. Walk them through that. Okay, well, um, some self-disclosure. Before I went to my last treatment center, I sat with a gun to my head. I was suicidal. It was the darkest place I'd ever been in my life. And I had a seven-year-old in her bedroom. Now, that's dark. So if you're out there and you're listening and you are at that point, there is hope. Look at me. I, I made it. I picked up that phone. I called somebody. I said, I am drowning and I need somebody to help me. And, and people, will, people are there. All we have to do is ask. And, you know, the hardest thing for us to do is to ask for help. A hundred percent. Because I was afraid that if I give up alcohol, I would have nothing. What else would I have? Right. You know, alcohol was... was the and, solution. And, and fear. You know, alcohol was my solution. You know, the acronym for fear is fantasized experiences appearing real. Right. So we have this fear about change. You know, change, I love change when it's my idea. Right. But when it's somebody else's idea, that's, I balk at that. And that's a survival tactic. You know, there's, there's a part of me that still thinks, ooh, mm, you know, that drink sounds real good. Right. And I have to, you know, even at 30-year sobriety, I often have a, an inkling, I won't say an inkling, a thought. Sure. A thought about, I wonder what that tastes like. Because, you know, so much has changed. But the main purpose of a disease is to kill its host. Right. And it will tell you all the lies in the world. That you can do this. It's not going to get any worse. We can still manage this. But that's the disease talking. I have to talk to the sober part of me, which at that time was very weak. So I have to rely on that, that little grasp of hope. Pick up the phone, give us a call. We typically expect people to be in treatment before they come to us. Okay. Because that's like trying to teach somebody, throwing somebody out of a boat and expecting them to swim. Right. We can't. I mean, that's, it doesn't work a lot of times. We've had some people who come straight to us and then they do an IOP program, but that very few have been able to do that. Sure. They need that stability. They need that. So if you can... They need to be completely removed from right. what they're struggling with for just a little and, bit. And if somebody calls me and they say, hey, I'm struggling, what do I need to do? I will call somebody like Costas. I'll call somebody like Daniel Pfeiffer, who is on our board, who works in treatment. I'll call people that I trust. Sherry Young is another one that I call. Mm -hmm. um, Brad Garraway. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's watching now. I call people that I know who their hearts are in the right places. 
and they will put them in the right place, not for money. You know, there are too many treatment centers that are just about money, and we're talking about people's lives here. Exactly. Well, so, if, if somebody is going to try to get in the McCoy house, it's not coming through some treatment center conduit. How would they get in touch with y'all? How would they, how would they get, how would they get in? They call my cell phone number 601-940-3411. Wow. <laughs> what was that number again? 601-940-3411. And I will do an assessment. You know, they might need detox. They might have too much trauma to come to us at this time but I will put them in touch with the right people. You know, I'm not going to take somebody into the McCoy, we're not going to take somebody into the McCoy house that is not ready, that might need a higher level of care. That's that's expecting them to do something that they can't do at Setting this time. Setting them up for failure. Yeah, right. At this time. And then, you know, they're, they're overwhelmed. Um, so, you know, we have to meet them where they're at. If you need a higher level of care, we're going to do everything we can to get you there. If the McCoy house is the right fit for you when you come back, a lot of times I'll say, uh-uh, you need to go out there and do more research. Right. You know, I'm not going to take somebody in who doesn't want this, who doesn't want to be sober, or who is just there, oh, you know, to get out of trouble or whatever. We have taken people who have been on... Um, um, like been committed or yeah, something? Yeah, been committed. Thank you. I lost the word there. Who have been committed. They've, you know, and they've done fine, but they have to follow the guidelines. We only have eight beds. So um, we're very particular about who we take. Of course. And, you know, who stays with us. So it's, um, it's just such a blessing for all of us to be able to help somebody. You know, we have to pass it on. And, right. and, and, if I don't have a purpose in life, then I'm kind of, you know, I don't know where I'm going, but I exactly. know what my purpose is, and that's a blessing. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So don't stress. Don't stress. It's as easy as picking up the phone and, and reaching out. Now, granted, that phone can be really, really heavy sometimes, but like Denise said, she was fully prepared to unalive herself with a gun with a seven-year-old child in the house. Um, that's where we get. I was the same way. Uh, my son was not in the house, but I got to that point as well. And I think that that's unbelievably common for folks that are like me and like us. Um, so don't fear. Do what's directly in front of you. Reach out and make that call. And there is help on the other side of this. There's, there absolutely is. And there's the phone number. Right. There's and freedom. Here's the, here's the institution. Right. And I think we just have to remember that we're not broken. We're not broken. We've Something has been taken away from us that we've allowed to be taken away, and all we're going to do is put the pieces back together. You know, sometimes our life falls apart. Right. In order for it to fall back together again so that we can become who we were meant to be. Right. The souls that we were born to be. The, the, we're all just walking each other home, really. Right. We're all just walking each other home. I think that's a, a quote by Ram Dass. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can walk each other to, to that little place where they see freedom or they see um, beauty in life, and to me, gratitude is the most important thing that I can practice every day. Absolutely. I get on my knees every morning. I say, God, direct my thoughts, my feelings, my words, and my actions. Right. And then I go about my, my business 
and 10 minutes down the road, I get upset at somebody and I'm, I'm like yelling at someone and I have to, mm-mm. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not about perfection. Right. It's about progress. A hundred percent. And that's one thing. I, I do not pray for anything. I ask that God, I, I approach God from a, with an attitude of gratitude and I thank him for keeping me sober yesterday. I ask that he keeps me sober today and ask that he uses me to, to better his purposes and that, uh, and, and then I, I hop on up and get on with my day. Um, so, um, oh God, what was I going to say? The, uh, I say a prayer every time I buy a lottery ticket, just, oh, to, make, God. just to make that clear. <laughs> He's not come through for me yet. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I, I think that it's, uh, I mean, how you pray is how you pray, but, um, you know, I, I certainly like to, uh, approach, uh, approach that with a, with, with gratitude instead of asking for something because everything that happened in my life and especially this is what I was going to say, especially, you know, I was a, I was a horrific person in active addiction. I just, there's no two ways about it. I was not. I was not a good person to be around. And that stemmed from me genuinely hating myself. Um, and I think that it's important. I, I know that it was important that I went through every every negative thing that I caused. It was important for me to go through that to make me who I am today. Without that, I wouldn't be who I am today. But today, I'm, I'm genuinely proud of the person that I am. Not proud, but I'm grateful for the person that I am today. Uh, and while everything that happened in my past was very unfortunate and sad. Yes, absolutely. It, it formed me. God used all of those things to make me who I am today. And, and I'm, I'm proud of that today. I'm, I'm grateful for who I am today. And that's just, that's a result of the pain that I went through. Um, all right. So we are, uh, we're, we're doing okay on time. We've got about 15 minutes left. Um, well, I've got a question. Yes, of course. So I, I, I know in my, I know that I know that I know how, being involved and growing a sense of responsibility and appreciation, how beneficial that was when I was, well, the whole time I've been sober. Go over, if somebody wanted to volunteer at the McCoy house or pitch in some other way, let's hit that one more time. Yeah. Who would they get in, who would they get in contact with? How would they get in contact with that person? I was going to say, that's more of a funny thing, but you got the phone number. That's the first one to call, and then Elizabeth. Our, uh, Who's Elizabeth? Elizabeth. Eliz, Elizabeth is our chief operations officer. Um, I live in Asheville, North Carolina. Elizabeth, I come down every, uh, every month for about 10 days to two weeks just to oversee and you know get things sorted out and get new people in or whatever. But Elizabeth is our on the ground person boots on the ground boots on the ground she is our our um operations officer you know if something's broken if she wants to if you want if you need a tractor she got it if you need a drill she's got it if you need a chainsaw she's got it she knows how to fix about everything and her heart is in the mccoy house um she went through the McCoy house. I don't think she would mind. Elizabeth, if you're listening, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I know you say it yourself. Um, she said the McCoy house changed her life. And her being at the McCoy house has changed our lives because she knows how it runs from the inside out. Right. Being a person there who lived there knows what to do, what not to do, what's accepted, what's not accepted, and how to run the place. So we could never 
We, we couldn't do what we do without Elizabeth and for the rest of the board members. I mean, we've just got three here, but we have like 13 people on our board. Right. And these people are absolutely amazing. And if you come to our fundraiser, you'll see them all on Thursday. And you can say thank you. When you come to the fundraiser. When you come to right. the fundraiser. And that's, thir- that's this Thursday? This Thursday. This Thursday at what time again? Six to nine, Danny. And where is this again? At, at Dueling Hall. Dueling Hall in Jackson. I'm tickets left. What's yeah, that? What was that? We have plenty of tickets left. Okay. So How would they buy a ticket? Yeah. I'm hoping you're going to put a little link. But Well, it's difficult to do that while we're doing the production, but, but we a, will after this for sure. Okay. You can go to just the McCoy House website, and there's a link there to click on it to do sign up for the silent auction and get a ticket. But if you happen to be out of town on Thursday night, there's a click to donate. Oh. All you can just donate. You don't have to show up. Making it easy. Absolutely. Very easy. So, And you'll be able to find this. Absolutely. You'll be able to find this on the McCoy House. But we will, as soon as we hop off here on the live stream, um, I will uh, go ahead and post that link on the Recovery Labs uh, Facebook page as well. So you can find it there as well. And so Facebook thank you. Page, yeah. Of course. The McCoy House Facebook page. We also have the links posted there. Brilliant. Brilliant. Beautiful. And if I can say something um, that happened this morning that was very significant to us, and I think it would be significant to anybody who's listening. We had one of our residents, every morning we do a spirituality. and One of our residents has been with us almost a month now. And she wasn't feeling very well. And she talked about the heaviness that she felt about what's going on in the world. The people that are being killed, you know, the, 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 what's going on. And she said... You know, she said, my heart is broken. She was crying, and she was upset, and just feelings, feelings, feelings. And one of the things she said was, you know, before I took a drink or a drug, when something like this would happen, she said, today I'm praying for those people, that they will have freedom, that they will have justice, that they will be free. And she said, I'm so grateful that I can be here, and I can use what God has given me instead of escaping to alcohol and drugs right. to pray. Because, you know, I said, evil wants us to, to, evil wants us to embrace it so that we will become part of the problem instead of part of the solution. Right. And we all held hands and we prayed for those people this morning. And my sister from Ireland is, was there, and she was the one, she said, let's hold hands and let's, let's pray for all those people together. And that's what we do. We can't. It's just one person doing one thing can change a lot of lives. Absolutely. And when we do it together, look at what we can accomplish. It's game over. It's game over. Game Game on. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) That would be a better. (laughs) Um, Okay. I love it. I love it. All right. So we've gone over the thrift store. We've gone over the event that's happening this Thursday. We've gone over the. Block rocking facilities. That's right. That's right. Um, What are we leaving out here? Um, it's a 90 day uh, minimum for day for minimum. the stay. Um, We're on seven, cell and phone number. seven and a half seven acres. Seven and a half acres. With a, with a fence all the way around it. Fence all the way around. Two ponds that you can fish in. Well, yes. One is pretty low right now, the small one. But you can fish in it. Um, catch and release. Sure, sure. We have a walking path. We have right. a swing set where they can go out and just swing and relax. And we do yoga every Friday morning. Um, and then we have our retreat center where. Um, where we can have retreats for people in sobriety. It doesn't have to be women sure. who are residents at the house, but we've had the, the Jackson community come, 
We also, the McCoy House is also helping the um, the Jackson Fire Department. We've done ropes with them. Oh, I saw that on yes, Facebook, I think. Come, Didn't they I come and do, do some ropes with us. That's and awesome. that's just us giving back to the community. Sure. Because they, they live in trauma every single day. Right. And where do they go? You know, they really can't talk to too many people about it. So we come and we do ropes with them, and, and, and that's a volunteer on our part. Um, I do it with Tim Riesler, who is part of Equine Solutions. Sure. He comes out almost every time I come, and we do that with um, 10 to 20 of the, pol- uh, of the fire off, the, the, the fire, firemen. firemen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a great time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, one more thing I was going to get you to describe to about how um, – the girls, when they come there, they they don't drive their cars for so many days and how y'all arrange their rides to all their IOP and therapy and stuff. Yeah, talk a little bit right. about that if you would. Well, for the first 30 days, you know, freedom is a big trigger for relapse. Sure. That's what my addiction wants me. Yep, freedom. So we don't allow them to drive alone for 30 days. If they do bring their car, they have to ride with somebody else. Um, they cannot get a job for 30 days. They can't even look for a job for 30 days. We want to get them plugged into a recovery program, 12-step program, IOP, sponsorship to ground themselves. Sure. We don't let them go look for jobs because sometimes they get so involved in that. There's no relationships, ladies, so if you're coming to us, you got to cut that off um, because romance and finance are the two biggest relapse issues that we see in early mm-hmm. recovery. Uh-uh-uh. Right. What about someone that's in like a that's married or something like that? They what have is to the get divorced? <laughs> they probably want to get divorced. Um, um, we ask them to limit that. Sure. And we leave it up to the IOP program for the family program, but you can't be on your phone twenty four hours a day. Right. You know, and it's it's trying to individualize ourselves into knowing who we are as people without that other person identifying right. who we are. And sometimes that's that's hard because that that other person oftentimes is that's a large part of our, our identity. Um, and most of the IOPs that our women, our, our our residents go to, they have the family program, so they're involved in that. Sure. Like there's, we have people from out of town coming this week, and for the for the for the rock for recovery, they're staying at a hotel, and so they're going to be involved in it. It's great. I love it. I love it. Well, we're about out of time. Was there anything else that you wanted to to mention or any of you ladies or gentlemen want to speak on? Is there on? some facet of the McCoy house y'all would like to talk about before we kind of wrap it up? Y'all are the experts. I think that so. we've covered a lot. Really had just the main thing, and y'all kind of covered at the beginning, that it is a beautiful property and it's beautiful Absolutely. old. I mean, I, not really antebellum home, but antebellum home from the 50s. And so that is, to me, unique to Jackson, Mississippi. Absolutely. It's a spectacular place. It really is. All jokes aside, I mean, it's It's terrific. And uh, it does cost a lot each month to maintain that, you know. And I would say from the early time when I came on the board, the thrift store was in this other location. It kind of just sort of broke even. And it was a thing to do for people who just didn't want to lose money on it. Right. And then Denise comes to me, and this is part of the, the, you know, you talk about lottery tickets and faith and that faith this one was uh <clears throat> if i didn't have faith that this was some kind of a divinely inspired project then he said let's move the thrift store to some other place and she's and at the time i was the treasurer and she shows me the rent is double what it was or maybe even triple it was so much more i was like y'all this is gonna start 
draining our resources. We don't, you know, we want to be good stewards of this project and we want to to get into an operation that'll support what we do, not drain it. And for the first two months, we went and did it. Uh, For the first two months, we lost a little bit of money. And since then, we haven't, the thrift store has never been a drain on the resources. And that was, how many years ago was that? Four, five, more, six? I mean, it's been a while. And it's amazing. And um, with that, Finney was talking about how we're looking at another place, too. Uh, because if you look in the back of that store. It's huge. It's, and, it, and it's piled up to the right, ceiling right. With, with donations, amazing donations. We don't turn any donations away. You know, that's one of the things that Denise said. We're sticking to that. We don't turn them away. But we, donations are always welcome and supported. Uh, we need them. They go to a very good cause and keep us running. Without the donations, we need them to, we're breaking even. We're not making a ton, but we need those donations to, to break even and, and keep doing what we're doing. One more thing. Um, there are people listening that send us a check every month. Some anonymous checks. There are, there are people in the recovery community who will just write a check and just send it to us just to help us keep the place going. You guys are amazing. You're part of our miracle, and you're part of the miracle of the success of the McCoy House. So those of you who drop off clothes, those of you who drop off furniture, those of you who send us those checks, that is what's keeping our place going. The Jackson community, you know, Mississippi is known to be the poorest state in the nation, but it's the most giving state in the nation, the most generous state in the nation, and I will always, I got sober here. I'm from Ireland. I got sober in Mississippi. And, uh, can you believe that? And I have never seen people that are so generous and so giving. So every dime that you give us does not go into my pocket or somebody else's pocket. It goes back into the McCoy House to make this a better place for people. And we want to build a chapel on our property because spirituality for me is the most important cornerstone of recovery for me, my relationship with the higher power. Same here. And if anybody is out there that can help us build a chapel, bring it on. Yeah. Um, we will do. We we will put your name on the door. But Beautiful. anyway, um, just thanks to everybody who donates to us. Awesome, y'all. I guess we're about. I guess we're about out, out, of, out time. of time. Yeah, yeah. Really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. For yes, thank you. The time to come and talk to us. Absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't be able to. You know, people are so kind to, to give of their Sunday afternoon. I mean, you could be at home watching the Saints figure out how to lose. <laughs> you know? Awesome. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for coming. We're out. Thank and you. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you.